Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode number three of Imprint Cast, the podcast dedicated to the Australian boutique label Imprint. My name is Tony Meekers, and joining me is my colleague John Matthews. How are you going, John? Uh, good. Doing well, thank you. Surviving the floods, but yes, doing, doing well. Yes, I'm just relieved that you are okay, and I'm okay in my area too, but whew, these floods were just a nightmare. And um, and also joining us is a regular, Ryan Kendall. How are you going, Ryan? Um, lovely at the moment. Thank you very much, Tony. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Now, today is a special episode. It's our very first Blu-ray review. And what better way to do our very first Blu-ray review than imprint release number one, The War of the Worlds. Could be the beginning of the end for the human race. For what men first thought were meteors or the often ridiculed flying saucers are in reality the flaming vanguard of the invasion from Mars. Looks like they're gonna come out of that gully pretty soon. We'll have to rush our defenses to be ready when they do. Guys need plenty of reinforcements. We'll get them. Lieutenant, look! They slash across country like scythes wiping out everything that's trying to get away from them. That explains why communication is cut the moment their machines begin moving. Montreal's blacked out. Nothing more has come through. Same thing that happened on the Pacific Coast. Anything from them yet? No, Mr. Secretary, we've had nothing from San Francisco for over five hours. The nations of the world mobilized their armed might, rushing to defend the Earth against the unknown weapons of the super race from the Red Planet. Is there nothing that can stop the Martian death machines? Tanks, bombs, they're like toys against them. We know now that we can't beat their machines. We've got to beat them. All over the world, human beings cower before the onslaught of these unearthly enemies whom no one has ever seen. Panic that sweeps around the globe as the great masses of mankind flee blindly in a headlong stampede of hysteria. Imprint release number one, The War of the Worlds. Paramount Pictures presents The War of the Worlds, starring Gene Barry, Anne Robinson, Les Tremaine. Music by Leith Stevens, screenplay by Barry Lyndon, based on the novel by H.G. Wells, produced by George Powell, and directed by Byron Haskin. Amazing. Terrifying. The most savage spectacle of all time. H.G. Wells' chilling novel of a Martian invasion of Earth becomes even more frightening in the 1953 film adaptation, widely regarded as one of the greatest sci-fi movies of all time. Doomed by diminishing oxygen and falling temperatures on their own planet, 
The Martians covered the rich atmosphere and fertile fields of the planet Earth. One night, a huge flame projectile lands near the little Californian town of Linda Rosa. Similar objects have landed in other parts of the world. The War of the Worlds is on. Jane Barry and Anne Robinson star in this special edition of legendary producers George Powell's 1953 adaptation of one of the greatest sci-fi stories of all time. Presented from a newly restored 4K master. Special features include the film mastered from a new 4K restoration from the original camera negative, an exclusive audio commentary by film critics Barry Forshaw and Kim Newman, audio commentary by actor Jean Barry and actress Anne Robinson, audio commentary by fans Joe Dante, Bob Burns and Bill Warren, The Sky is Falling, the making of the War of the Worlds documentary, H.G. Wells, the father of science fiction featurette, the Mercury Theatre on the Air presents the War of the Worlds radio broadcast from 1938 with stills of Orson Welles. Theatrical trailer and photo gallery. I have to ask you both, um, John, how did you first hear of War of the Worlds? How did you first hear about the story and the, how, did, how did you first hear about it? Yeah, it's funny. So I remember uh, originally um, when I was younger, I think I was maybe 10 or uh, or maybe younger, 11 or 9, who knows. Um, I remember the book actually being in a library. Um, and the thing that intrigued me was the cover just had this, yeah, sort of robot thing on the front with the long legs. And I'm just like, what? what is that? What the hell is that? And um, and then eventually I would see this, this um, film version on TV when I was younger, I think maybe once again, 11 or 12 around that time frame and um, just have vivid memories of really enjoying it. And, um, and and then eventually I did read the H.G. Wells book when I was going through a bit of a phase. But uh, but yeah, definitely the book, just seeing that striking image of the the invading Martians and uh, it always stuck with me when I was younger. I'm like, what is that? That's amazing. So yeah, that was the first time I came across this story. Ryan, how about you? I think the first um, first time... I feel like the actual first time was I probably like saw the book somewhere and just like just brushed it off. But I've, one time I do remember is my parents and that now I have, they had the the vinyl soundtrack to the War of the Worlds, and it had the greatest cover on the front. I just like stared at that cover. If you know the like vinyl cover I'm talking about with the score and everything, you'll know the um what i'm talking about it's just amazing and yeah that's how i i found out about it actually well believe it or not that's how i first found out about it <laughs> i never knew about i was around eight or nine and i never knew about the book but my um sister had at the time had the um this vinyl album of um the war of the worlds and as you said the cover looks spectacular Yes, the first time I heard it was Jeff Wayne's musical version of The War of the Worlds. I love Richard Burton doing doing the narration of the of the story with all these synthesizers, sounds, background noises, and all these amazing legendary um, performers in in the album. It's great. Like, of course, Richard Burton, you can't go wrong. Phil Linnett from Thin Lizzy. Julie mm. Covington from Godspell, I believe. And Justin Hayward from, yeah. and of course, and of course, Manfred Man's Earth Band, Chris Thompson. That album was 
phenomenal. Uh, they remade it like for his 30th anniversary or 20th anniversary, if memory serves correct. And it doesn't have that powerful hit as the original did. Yeah, I watched the movie in when, later in life when I was around 17 or 18, and I just adored it. And then, of course, Steven Spielberg's version came out in 2005. I saw that, and I thought, nah, it was all right, but the 953 version was amazing. Yeah, that's how I first heard about War of the Worlds, from a rock, from a rock album. How long did it take you to listen to that album? Because I don't think I listened to that album until, like, 20 years later, after, like, <laughs> just staring at the cover. Oh, the album's, the, I believe the album's around an hour and a half long, it's a long double album, and... Um, yeah, it's just a two LP, I think, or yeah, is it just one? Yeah. Yeah, it's a two LP, and, yeah, I could. Ju- I just heard the whole thing. It, it was great. I loved it, because I've, I've always had a fascination with electronic music. I've been obsessed with it ever since I saw um, Clockwork Orange, and when I heard Wendy Carlos's electronic score, bam. Yeah, I, I got into that vinyl. I, funny enough, I, when they... I, I think I, I heard that because the first time I heard that album was when I think they did the reissue when the, the Tom Cruise movie came out. And I think they reissued it on vinyl and CD around that time, 2004-ish era. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And that's why I first um, uh, listened to the album. I was like, wow, this is, a, this is a really damn good album. I think I got the CD reissue at the time, but uh, I, I am envious of that vinyl because it's it's a beautiful uh, piece of art. Like you said, Ken, it's, it's really, really cool. It sure is. It's a beautiful album. And I wasn't a fan of the Tom Cruise one, Spielberg one. I'm going to admit, I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it in the cinemas. It, I just, I haven't seen it since then. And I thought, it, mm. I think it was, it was okay, but yeah, it was nothing um, like the original at all. Yeah. I remember Tim Robbins being a bit weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. That was cool. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I love Steven Spielberg, but... Um... Well, the world's his version was average at best. Too too much um, CG. Yes, absolutely. When I first saw this film, I watched it again a few days ago, and I, it's the 4K mastering of this. It just looks stunning. I absolutely love it. But there is a no, but there is a notable difference. There's a, just a just a small difference, but it can be quite noticeable to film lovers and film collectors. The, the, the picture of Mars on the imprint collect release is blue. The colour of the Mars is blue. And if you have the Criterion edition, it's red. In the end, it doesn't bother me as much. I just, I just, all I care about was the image quality, and it's stunning. Narration is by Cedric Hardwick, and uh, Sir Cedric Hardwick, I should say. And the, um, it won the Oscar for visual effects, which... No surprise. I'm not. I don't. I don't blame mm. them at all. It's, it's, I don't. I, I agree with that totally. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah, the movie itself was just fun to watch. It's just um, it's been so long since I've seen it, and just watching it again, and especially with this new 4K color, wow! I just it, it just looks beautiful. So, what did you guys think of the of how the 4K looked? Yeah, I just think it it pops and it looks absolutely. Uh, stunning there's transfer um like i said it, it's it's a 4k restoration um from the negative and it was um uh, i think it was done a, a year or two ago but it, it looks beautiful and this is a film that's uh all about colors it's such a vibrant film and uh just just you know, with the martian ships the the vibrant greens and the you know the the landscapes and, and it is a visual piece it's beautiful and to see this popping eye popping restoration in terms of color 
uh, I was blown away by it. And, um, and and that's the beauty of a Technicolor film is because back then, you know, it was all about, you know, you have this technology called color, let's make use of it. And uh, it's funny because I love how the film, it's kind of like a Wizard of Oz scenario. It starts off black and white, kind of teasing the audience. You think it's a black and white film. And then it goes into color and, and it's just visually stunning. And I feel like, once again, I say this a lot, but I feel films now don't make use of color. And, and it's it's a shame because it used to be like a real treat to see films in color. And so this restoration just yeah blew me away, just how vibrant and, and natural the grain was. And yeah, it, it's incredible. It's the best the film's ever looked. So yeah, beautiful looking film. Yeah, I'm with you, John. Like the colors pop, the being Technicolor. Um, this is a very colorful film for that time too. It's very nice. And I like how you said so um, Wizard of Oz. Sorry. So mm. it's Wizard of Oz. Like they're just teasing the audience and then Ooh. it's nice and pretty. And that's the kind of cool, interesting fact or thing you picked up um, about Mars being a different color. That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know if like Mars is copyrighted, so, you know, you can't like actually use Mars. <laughs> In all honesty, it never bothered me, but all I care about, the image just looks spectacular. The colour, mm. everybody thinks Mars, and everyone knows that Mars is the red red planet, and like on the imprint Blu-ray, it's blue. But either way, I'm happy with it. I don't it, mind it. it, it just... I was just going to quickly say, there's a lot of controversy around that because this was done from the negative. I mean, this is how it looked, so... There's been a lot of debate whether it should be red or blue. But anyway, that's a whole. <laughs> yeah, that's right, John. You're right about that. Oh, yeah, we really don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, so, yeah, with the cast, um, Jane Barry and, of course, Anne Robinson, they were, they were, they were great leads. For the worlds, as one star of the film, producer George Powell. He has worked on many... Wells Productions afterwards. Um, well, interestingly enough, the H.G. Wells estate was so pleased with the final version of The War of the Worlds, they allowed Powell only to choose any other Wells works. And, of course, ah, we know yeah. what came next. Time Machine. Time Machine with, Rod, with, with Australia's own Rod Taylor. And that was, a, that was brilliant. <laughs> that I loved. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, all the H.G. Wells films around that time were really good adaptations. Yes, indeed. But one of my, one of my favourite H.G. Wells productions was um, from 1932, um, The Island of Lost Souls, which, of course, was originally known as The Island of Dr. Moreau. Mm. That was a phenomenal – that was a great film with, with Charles Lawton as Dr. Moreau. Oh, boy. Classic. Mm-hmm. It is a classic. Uh, we won't go, we won't discuss much of the 1996 Island of Dr. Moreau because um, it'll be a, it'll, it'll be a bloodbath <laughs> if we do. Just watch the documentary. Give yes. Everything. Yes. The documentary by David Gregory, that documentary, um, Lost Soul. Yeah. That's Fantastic. worth it. Anyway, yeah. that's definitely better than, um, than the, uh, than the Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, and I've got to quickly say, um, and then you've got all those awesome um, Harryhausen films as well, like First Man in the Moon and stuff. You know, they're, they're really great adaptations as well of, of the work. So they're, they're oh, yeah. Good. yeah, based on the stories. Essentially. Yeah, of course. And of course, Things to Come, I believe. It's another, that's another great H.G. Yeah. Wells title. Yeah. The great movie, the old, the old 30s one. I think, mm. yeah. 
effects. The, when you first see the Martians in the movie, I don't know. <laughs> well, for today's standards, in, since it was made in the 50s, it's what you expect from a 50s sci-fi film. Uh, just, just fun. Just a good. Just expect a good time. Like the the monsters, they're not supposed. They don't look realistic, but mm. they're still all fun. But also watching all these um, the when you watch the movie and you see the um stock footage that they use for the um, that 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 works seamlessly with the with the film. It's just um, it's just great. Mm. Was it apparently that um. The war machines had about like twenty wires running to each one, so some were like for suspension and maneuvering. Others carried power to like various lights and what have you. Yes, I believe you're right about that. Yeah. So there's just like a whole bunch of wires just dangling down, just hoping they didn't get like tangled up with other wires. <laughs> yes, and with um with War of the Worlds before that, um. One fascinating bit of trivia when I was watching the commentary by um, by Barry Forshaw and Kim Newman, they were mm. discussing Alfred Hitchcock doing the doing um, the War of the Worlds at one time. Wow! Imagine uh, Alfred Hitchcock doing the War of the Worlds. That would have been something. Yeah, but, and and of course, because um, I'm, oh sorry, Ty, I was going to say because yeah, um, right, C- C- um, was it Cecil Cecil B. DeMille also yes. got um offered like a couple of years before Austin. So like if Cecil did it, it would probably be like a four hour epic. You know? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but Cecil B. DeMille is one of the one of the founders of Paramount Pictures. So, mm. so yes. The, yeah, imagine the War of the Worlds being a four hour um invasion. <laughs> that would have like a love interest as well. <laughs> it, it could have been um I'm I'm not sure if they're referring to uh, British Hitchcock maybe during that era because uh, one thing as they mentioned as well in the commentary Tommy probably aware but uh, the book obviously set in Victorian sort of London Victorian yes. and so the film's interesting because it adapts it to like it's very it, it's faithful for, for the most part for, for, for the um, first half or so but, but yeah it's interesting how that it, it brings it to California but it, it does it does respect the book in, in a way that how it sets up the opening uh, the invasion so uh, so yeah there's a bit of a environmental difference but but yeah i think the film still captures it with with the martians and, and the energy of it so yeah which is a rather interesting difference between the book so. yes yeah as you said john the only difference probably the main difference is because the book is set in london and the film is set in california so that was the only that's the only difference i was gonna say did you listen to um the radio broadcast oh did I, I fucking love the it. Radio broadcast. I adore that radio broadcast. That's like the first thing I like listened to. I didn't even watch the film. I went straight to the fucking broadcast because that's the one thing I wanted to hear. Because that and was I'm just... the first adaptation, I think one of the first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and this is like, yeah. And um, Awesome was like asked, like, do you want this to be your first film? He's like, nah. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Yeah. But you know what like, was yeah. amazing, though? Orson Welles, back in the day, 1938, 23 years old, doing this production on radio of The War of the Worlds, it caused a major sensation. It caused an uproar in America. They believed it. it, it they thought aliens were invading. They yeah. believed well, it was real. That's how... It, it makes sense when you, like, listen to it and, like, just cuts out and, like, goes to, like, radio, like, presenters yes, on the streets and just, like, explosions. I'm like, yeah, not nah, fair. I can understand why people got got scared. Oh yeah, 
But then I loved at the end. Um, then I loved at the end of the broadcast how Orson Welles says, um, "This is our version of this is our version of the famous ho- of the popular holiday that instead of giving out candy, we give we we do a radio show. Happy Halloween." <laughs> I'm paraphrasing here. It's not the exact wording, but I'm just paraphrasing. But yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it was great. I remember it caused a huge uproar that broadcast. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. was it like all the phone lines were like just clogged up because everyone's just like calling the emergency departments? Yes. <laughs> Aliens had invaded. And I think that planted the seed that radio broadcast to get this film like greenlit because it was mm. in public conscience after that, that it was a bit of pop culture. I mean, really it was. It was huge, that event. So, but yeah, Wells was just so ahead of his time when he did that. Oh, Wells was way ahead of anybody's time back in the mm. back in the yeah. Oh boy, and then of course three years later, we all know what happened. Then, complete creative control of a of uh, of making a masterpiece, Citizen Kane, and then it all went downhill because of um because of the subject matter. But yeah, that's another story. But with um, Orson Welles' performances in um, the World of the Worlds, because I think he, I believe he played two characters in that sh- in that um, in the, mm. that broadcast, realistic and terrifying. It's <laughs> just and, mm. yeah, right. As you said, with the uh, with the the sound effects of the of hanging up and um, mm. everything changing, it's it made it just more realistic than ever. Yeah, hundred percent. I was I wasn't expecting them to like go change it to like some radio presenter just like experiencing bombing behind them going hey, it's going crazy they're everywhere <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and also and if you notice in the third act of the film um, there was a radio there was a radio commentator in the actual war zone in the war of the worlds and that's and that's a tribute to Orson Welles' performance. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. And speaking of that third act of the movie, that was a re- the original plan for that third act when, um, I don't know if you remember the sequence, when they were checking out the uh, snake head or something with the three, with the three lights and how, it ch- and how it looks like it's a 3D, how it looks like it has a 3D image on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, George Powell wanted that that entire third act to be shot in 3D. Now that would have been that would have been fun. All right. Okay. That 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 third act entire in its entirety in 3D that would have been something. Even like one of those things, like put your 3D glasses on now. Yes, there, there was actually. Um, mm. um, I believe that I heard in the Joe Dante commentary that. Um, they was they they did some kind of noise signal that that indicated that you put your that you put your three D mm. yeah yeah and um, exactly yeah that unfortunately didn't work I think because of cost and also it just I don't know they just didn't follow through which which is a, which was a real shame but that would have been great to, to have done in um in three D isn't there like a um a film that does that that actually like tells you to put your glasses on. Like yeah. halfway through, yeah. there's a there few. are a few. There are a few. Yeah. It was one of them, an old um, black and white film that, yeah, uh, Joe Dante did the commentary for. Where, yeah, during the film, you have to put on the 
when they put the mask on, you have to put the glasses on. Yes, and that's yeah. the movie The Mask, I believe. Yeah. And there's Freddy's Dead, but that's uh, another story. Yeah, Freddy's Dead. <laughs> Boy, that's another story, all right. And the ending of the movie, it caused a lot of controversy, apparently, about being in the church and um, the church and, you know, some kind of prayer or something. I don't know. That's what I heard in the commentary. It stopped the Martian invasion of some sorts. And um, what do you think of that? Look, um, well, like, H.G. Wells wasn't religious at all. He was, like, agnostic, so. Yeah. I think, yeah. But um, I ain't a religious boy myself. I don't know. No, neither am I. I'm not a religious person. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like I said, um, he was agnostic himself, and... I think like he's he had some words in the book about God and this and that and and I think they took it maybe the wrong way in the film. That's what it said in the commentary. Like took it a bit literally. Um, some of his words. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting because like I, I don't know the film. It, it's it's interesting how it feels a religion because like there's that you know it, it's a little dark where you know the scene with the priests going up to them you know trying to you know at the start of the film where he's yes. trying to, you know yeah. tell the aliens think it's blasted away. It's like yeah. Uh, it's quite interesting. Like for a film of the fifties, that's a pretty confronting subject for a priest to get blown to shit at you know the start of the film. So I think it's it's interesting. I, I don't know the ending. Like I said, yeah, it's it's just a yeah. The, the ending's a bit odd uh, compared to that because I, I really like that scene. <laughs> the priest uh, gets his due, but uh, but yeah, it's um, it, it's yeah, it's it's I don't know. Is that is that kind of what people think that that's kind of why the aliens? Because I know it's to do with germs, but is that? Well, yeah, it's something to do with germs, bacteria. Um, but they, they think know, really? it may have been sort of a contributing factor to it. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's the one thing that's always got me. It's like to kill aliens, you just need to sneeze on them because <laughs> they can't handle the germs. I was like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah, all in all, the world of the worlds, one of the best sci-fi films of nine of the fifties, because of course the fifties. It was a perfect time for science fiction and horror movies, especially with, um, oh, what do they do? They did so much. Um, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, they did them. Mm. And... Um, the whole thing, the thing. Yeah, the the yeah, thing, of course. The yeah, thing, yeah. Thing from another world. Um, the Quatermass Experiment. Yep. Oh, they were fantastic. Those, yeah. those you can't... You can't beat the fifties when it comes to horror and sci-fi. That was the greatest. Yeah, it was very, yes, yeah, very sci-fi horror. Like those two themes together. Yeah. The the blob and good stuff. Yeah. Yes, the blob, absolutely. But I think I think I don't know if I'm saying, but I think War of the World set the benchmark for those science because like I say, yeah, we have plenty of sort of hokey serials and, and sort of B grade sci-fi films, black and white ones there where the effects were really not the greatest, looked a little clunky, but um, I think this film set the benchmark for how it could be done in terms of special effects because mm. those they still look good. Those ships still look. I mean, like the, they look a bit hokey, but in terms of them moving around the and and blasting lasers out, that's pretty amazing. I, I forget that it's nine fifty three. Like I think this film really did set a technical benchmark of of movies. Sure did, yeah. especially well, it, it it deservedly won the Oscar for be, for the best visual effects and mm. and. You can see it on the screen. It was they, they look. It's fantastic. I think yeah. all the all the budget went into the special effects mm. and all that. 
no surprise like, there. Yeah, like 70% was on the elaborate special effects, and I think like 30% was on the live action scenes. So there you go. And and it still I I will say this all the time it still looks better than CG practical <laughs> uh, <laughs> effects I don't know it's something that just uh, you see those ships and stuff and just like I know it's little sets and stuff but it's just it it, it has a, a wonderful charm to it that you know when you do it with CG CG dates very quickly while practical will live on forever so yeah I just think they still stand up those those effects I think they're really cool of course yeah. um, even the even the even the fifties movies with bad cheap special effects, yeah. they still they do look great. Like, yeah, of course, um, hands down, probably one of the greatest bad sci-fi films ever made was um, Ed Wood's Plan Nine from Outer Space. <laughs> that was phenomenal. It look, it may be it's considered the worst movie of all time, but no, it's bloody entertaining. <laughs> I absolutely love it. But there was also another one. There's also another sci-fi film with with um, cheap, hokey special effects. Um, that was called It Conquered the World. The actual monster <laughs> is an ice cream cone-looking spider. <laughs> and, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was great. And, uh, of course, I actually heard about It Conquered the World from an unlikely source. Um Frank Zappa actually did a did a commentary about it on his Roxy and Elsewhere album, discussing uh-huh. how he loves monster movies and it conquered the world. And I saw it, I saw that for the first time after I heard that album. And yeah, he was right. The cheaper they are, the better they are. I agree. Wow, because I, yeah. I yeah I forgot about that. because he did that. Uh, I think at the end of Freak Out, there's like a a B grade sort of movie montage song which is great so yeah the return of the electric um the monster <laughs> uh, it's a long title yeah, yeah, long some, title long song, but, but something yeah but no it's, it's cool that they oh, so i love that these old yeah i love these old sci-fi films i mean they're just they still they still hold up and they're still entertaining that's what they should be just fun and entertaining and yeah right. and war of the worlds was definitely that entertaining Let's talk about the special features. Uh, what have you have you watched the the sky is falling documentary? No, that's one I had didn't see. I had I want to watch see the um the commentary by the fan and the sky is falling. They're ones I want to watch. Yeah, I um I saw the sky is falling documentary and that was actually a good thirty minute documentary about the making of World of the Worlds. A mm, couple cool. of interviews with the cast and crew and. It was just fascinating. It's, it was just a, it was just really interesting. And you hear all these backstories. They talk about Hitchcock. Yep. yep. They talk about um, the three D and everything else. And that was a really good. That was a really good documentary. That's cool. And uh, then of course. I liked it. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Then the next one is a ten minute H. G. Wells, the father of science fiction, featurette. That was pretty. That was interesting. If you love, if you love hearing stories yeah. about, it. it's it's great because it goes through his his upbringing, his background, where he came from. Um, you know, it, it's a really good feature. I love it. Mm, of course, and um, with commentaries, I've heard only two of the commentaries. I've heard the exclusive audio commentary by film critics Barry Forshaw and Kim Newman, 
and I've heard the the fan commentary by Joe Don da, Joe Dante, Bob Burns, and Bill Warren. And now those two commentaries, I absolutely love the Kim Newman Bob Forshaw commentary because that that commentary itself is basically an encyclopedia of the making of the of the movie, and it's just phenomenal. And of course, Kim Newman. He's a film historian, film critic that I highly respect because he's a major. He's he he's major in in the horror film, and of course mm. he's a horror writer. Mm. And I, I I've always respected him for many many years, and it was great to hear him do this com this or exclusive commentary with Barry Forshaw. He knows his stuff because he's like literally on every release on anything. Mm. That's yeah. true. There's always a Kim Newman like audio commentary. I'm like, bro, bro, chill. I'm always excited whenever there's an announcement. I see Kim Newman's name, like, excellent because he just does great intros. And you're right, he's just like a walking encyclopedia. He'll sit there and just talk about the movie for like you know 20 minutes or so off top of his head. It just it just amazes me. So yeah, this commentary is great. And um, and and the faint they made an interesting point. They said this commentary. I guess what's different from this one is that they're more focusing on because they're actually more they they know a lot about Wells himself. Mm. I think the other commentaries focus more on the film. Like I said, Tony, they do cover the film, but I think they focus more on Wells as well, which is a, a great benefit to that commentary. Yes, like, yeah, it works because they know it quite well all his work. So yeah, yeah, and um, I haven't heard the um, the actor commentary with Gene Barron and Robinson, unfortunately. Oh, I didn't get around to that. Yeah, that would have been good. That would have been good to hear, but of course, scheduling and timing—you know—it's not that easy. But I think we can all agree here: the ultimate feature on this set is the Mercury Theatre on the Air presents the War of the Worlds radio broadcast from 1938. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. was just phenomenal. One hour of of audio heaven. I think I absolutely. Yeah. Agree. It is a bit of audio heaven, isn't it? Mm, it was. If it caused the if it caused an entire country in uproar, then yeah, it was it, it was wonderful. And I love like um the cover art that they use, not on the slip but on the case as well. Yeah, yeah, it's on the that's captive. what I kind that's what I kind of like like about imprint. Like their cover art on the case is like I don't know, it just stands out. Stands out from the slip. Like, the slip always stands out to everything and everything. But, like, the case cover-up stands out as well. It's really, it's really, they're always vibrant. And once again, it's a really mm. vibrant cover, and it suits the film perfectly. Yeah, it's like glowing in the dark. Yeah. Almost. But I, I have to say I love the slip because it's the first time, I think, maybe ever on home video we've had the, the poster art. Like, this is a beautiful piece of art, and... For years, we've just had, once again, I say this, I sound like a broken record, just bad Photoshop jobs of just mm -hmm. the, the old DVD cover. It's just like literally just a Photoshop of the aliens above like a modern New York, like a modern, sorry, modern Los Angeles. It looks terrible. But um, this is, uh, yeah, this is just a beautiful painted piece of art. And I think it's, yeah, a, a striking slip. It is. It is a striking slip. And that's what, that's what I love. They use um, the original poster art on the slipcover and it's just stunning that's where it should be anyway and i think that's a red mars too from the back um red or blue because I've, I've got blue looking blue here really i got red 
You got red. I got blue. <laughs> I got red. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I think you're talking about. You mean the inside artwork, not the slip. Yeah, the oh, inside. Oh, the, the inside. Slip. Yes, that's red. I'm talking about the but, slip. But, but the slip, it's a blue mask. There you go. Virtual. <laughs> uh, we will never know. You know, it's probably just purple. It's like, what is it? Red or blue? Purple. <laughs> well, that's it. We did our very mm. first film review of um, a Blu-ray review of The War of the Worlds. And looking forward to doing more of these. Um, I know we've got a few more planned in the future. Yes, when the time comes, we'll announce it, obviously. What we will be doing very soon in the future is... Um, this is for uh, this is for you imprint lovers and Facebook group members. We will be doing our random member member request. What we'll do is um, we randomly choose a member from the imprint films Blu-ray fan group and imprint cast group pages, and we ask them to choose their top three imprint releases and make a week-long poll on the Facebook groups. That's where you come in, you fans. You get, you get to choose which of the three releases you would like us to discuss and whichever one gets the highest amount of votes is the one we talk about. Of course, we will not be discussed. We will not mention who the guests will be until the episode airs, but that's what you'll be expecting sometime in the future from us. Like, that's what we want to do. We want to include our valuable group members and imprint lovers, and, of course, we'll have special guests coming soon for these episodes and i'm really i'm actually really excited to do this um what do you think so what do you think of this um what do you think of um, involving our members yeah sure yeah that sounds like a good idea great idea and i think i think it makes separates us from uh other podcasts where it's very closed um but yeah this is a, a community effort so i think it's great yeah very soon we will be doing we will be posting this soon um and um You'll know once we'll, you'll know once the post is up on the Facebook groups. I believe that's the end of episode three, um, the War of the Worlds Blu-ray review. All in all, great release. The film looked fantastic, beautiful 4K restoration, and the features, they're very good. John, what did you think of the final result of the War of the Worlds? Yeah, uh, great film. Uh, you know, I've always liked this film, but... Yeah, just just an amazing um, package out of the gate as their first release. I mean, this is number one. Uh, they really went to town on this, and they really want to. I, I think they set the bar for who Imprint are as a label. Um, you know, you know, if you get this classic sci-fi film, but um, all these extras, beautiful packaging. So I think it's just a, a really unique um, unique way to get started with the label. I think it's a yeah great release. Yes, um, Ryan, your thoughts on the final product? Yeah, no, I concur. I'm with you guys. It's a lovely little um piece of physical media. Um, it's very glossy, the slip. It's nice to touch. Well, this is the end of Imprecast episode number three, The War of the Worlds. I usually talk about what we're going to talk, discuss next, but we've got so much planned, we, I don't even know what's going to happen. And um, your guess is as good as mine what comes up next. So um, until next time, which I hope won't be too long, Take care and please be safe and I hope you enjoy the episode. Have a good one, everybody. Cheerio. See you then.